There is suffering. This is the first noble truth. The death of George Floyd, the continuation of a long legacy of racism in the United States and the world, reminds us of this truth. There is suffering. There is a cause of suffering, racism. Racism is suffering, and there is a cause of racism, greed, ignorance, and fear. There is a path to end suffering. There is a path to end racism. The journey may not be a quick or easy, but there is a path. May we liberate our minds from the root causes of racism, greed, ignorance, and fear. When we have a chronic illness, how can we cure it? The first step is to understand and acknowledge the il illness. Only then can we seek a cure. And when we find the cure, we must be willing to take the treatment. The image of a white policeman kneeling on George Floyd's neck tears our hearts with sadness, horror, numbness, anger, and even guilt. We cannot forget George Floyd's pleas for help and calls for mama. We have been asking ourselves, what can we do about racism? Some of us may have a clear answer to this question, but some of us might not. If you don't have a clear answer to this question, what can you do? Keep asking. This question is our national koan. If we don't give up asking this question, I believe the answer will come. If we stop questioning, we will remain stuck with the suffering of racism, this chronic societal illness. Racism, whose problem? For a long time, I've been questioning if I have a discriminating mind with regard to race and skin color. To join my heart with the movement against racial injustice, I decided to look deeply into my mind and share my stories with you today. In the summer of 1991, the 17th World Scout Jamboree was hosted by South Korea and was held at Sorak Mountain National Park near the border with North Korea. I was a college freshman 
and was asked to help Mother Reverend Kim run the One Buddhist Services as part of the interfaith program for scouts. I vividly remember that our One Buddhist tent was nicely built and beautifully decorated with flowers and 17 big candles on the altar. Day and night, there was lovely candlelight which attracted many youngsters to stop by. Mother Reverend Kim and I stayed late to welcome visitors who wanted to experience the calm place. Sometimes we stayed so late and we slept right there in the sanctuary tent. One night while we were sleeping there, I suddenly felt something and opened my eyes. There was a black boy standing right there and looking down on us. I was so shocked by his completely black skin and glittering eyes. That was the first time I had encountered a black person in my entire life. I was a 20 years old. The next day, a white boy from Belgium visited our sanctuary tent. From my very first encounter with this white boy, I felt a comfortable fondness for him. Over the years, I wondered if my first reaction to encountering a black person was different from my first reaction encountering a white person because of the color of his skin. Was I a racist? Did I prefer people with a white skin? Where did my discriminating reactions come from? Until that jamboree, I had never had a chance to meet in person or interact with a black person or a white person, yet my response to these two was different. Why? Upon reflection, I remember as a child fondly watching Western TV shows such as P.P. Longstocking from Sweden, Little House on the Prairie, and Hollywood animations featuring Wonder Woman and Superman. The main characters portrayed in these shows were all white. If black people were present at all, they were marginalized as side characters. Although I was Asian, I was certainly conditioned over time by the media. And even without realizing it, I developed a positive familiarity with the white faces. Even today, this conditioning continues through the media. In most American movies, black, Asian, Latin, and native people are presented in minor or even negative roles. It took a while for me to realize that ever since my childhood, I had been conditioned to perceive white people as superior to others, even to Asians like me. Sometimes I wonder if somewhere deep in my psyche, I feel inferior because I'm not white. 
Dear friends, we have all been exposed to conditioning by the same media and cultural influences. How have you been affected? Do you feel superior or privileged somewhere deep in your psyche because you are white? Do you feel inferior or victimized somewhere deep in your psyche because you are black or brown? What are you conscious of? What are you not? Conscious of. If you were to be reborn today in this society, would you choose to be born black or white? Why? Not knowing ourselves and not knowing how we have been conditioned is our biggest ignorance. Judging other people by their physical appearance and with our preconceived notions has been deeply ingrained in us. We all are products and byproducts of conditioned minds. The policeman who took the life of George Floyd is a product of the same conditioning to which we are all subject. By recognizing our conditioned mind, we begin to open our hearts and become more compassionate with one another. When I feel vulnerable and self-conscious, I tend to interpret unfavorable circumstances through a racial lens. When my heart is beset by irritation, ego, and fear, I tend to filter my impressions of others through stereotypes. When I am accepting and happy for who I am, the racial background of myself or others is not a hindrance. So I smile at everyone and anyone I meet and more often than not, they smile back. Nate Jackson, our fellow temple practitioner, shares this question. Does the I that I am look upon some people with a prejudice? Or does the I that I am Rest is a gaze upon all of us equally, just as the sun shines equally upon us all. It is amazing how well we can connect and love one another, regardless of our ethnic and racial backgrounds, when our minds and hearts are open. It is also alarming at how quickly we can shut down our minds and separate ourselves from others when we judge by appearance. One of my Korean friends said to me, 
Why don't you come back to Korea? I told her, Not now. I need to stay here when folks are suffering. I feel affection for this country more than ever, especially when this country is suffering with this root-bound and tangled karma of racism. I believe that as more citizens of the United States become enlightened, this will bring enlightenment to the world. But enlightened consciousness cannot be achieved in America without solving the legacy of racism. Racism, whose problem? Who is responsible? Racial injustice leads to economic, educational, and social injustice. People of color, especially African Americans, have been victims of injustice for generations. How can we heal our society so that our children can have equal opportunities to unfold their dreams. Change can be inconvenient. Change is uncomfortable. If you feel disturbed and sad and uncomfortable with racial injustice, that is because you care. Your suffering is a noble suffering. Out of a disturbed mind, afflicted with anger and despair, change can arise. With a willingness to face the painful reality of American racism, we ask, what is my commitment for making positive change in our community, in our neighborhood? In America, we call this country a melting pot. In Korea, the U.S. is called Miguk, which means beautiful country. When we rise together and transcend this deeply embedded racism, privilege, and systemic injustice, the United States will become a truly beautiful country. Our teacher, Master Chong San, said, the truth is one. Our paths are many, all beings are one family. As one family and one community, may we work together in harmony to create a better world. Racism is the greatest and the saddest hindrance for living and working in harmony. In order to overcome delusion and discrimination, we must be vigilant and awaken 
to the essence of life, the truth of one family and one life. May we embrace our common humanity and manifest the realization that we are indeed one. We. Mm-hmm.